Welcome to the Mobile Game Dev Playbook. This podcast is brought to you in association with Game Refinery. Join us as we uncover the latest trends in mobile game design. Hello and welcome to the Mobile Game Dev Playbook. Thanks for tuning in for another episode. This is the podcast that provides insights into what makes a great mobile game, what is and is not working for designers, and all the latest trends. In fact, today we are going to be discussing how COVID-19 has impacted mobile game developers, how they're adapting their game, as well as how restrictions on kind of public movement have affected mobile gaming behavior. I'm your host, John Jordan, and joining me this week as ever is Joel Junkanen from Game Refinery. How's it going, Joel? Hi, John. I'm great. How are you? Yeah, very good. Glad to have you on. And uh, our guest this week is uh, Yuana Henningchuk, who is the CEO of Games Analytics. How's it going, Yuana? Hi, very well. Thank you. Good. So we have two experts. Uh, and in fact, both of your companies have been kind of uh, looking at what's been going on in terms of kind of game developers and, and player behavior over the last few months. So we've got lots to dig into. Um, Joel, should we start with you? So Game Refinery has released its COVID-19 observations report. Uh, what, are the, what are the headlines there? What are we seeing? Uh, yeah, yeah, we we, we did re- release a report, and uh, in that report, we mainly focused on how uh, do games kind of adapt to the or react to the COVID situation. So we kind of uh, went to the feature level, what kind of content, what kind of new features offers, um, any kind of communications from the developers in the games to the players were happening, happening around the globe. And and um, it was quite interesting, interesting to see that um, Almost, let's say, almost all of the top games, at least, have some sort of reaction um, and, and kind of, uh, kind of uh, to, the, to the situation. There was, for example, of course, uh, um, free lives, free gifts given to the given to the players, um, some kind of uh, notifications about um, possible delays on on updates, but also also lots of of new kind of content released, uh, events relating COVID or or normal events being prolonged, so that there's more content for, for the players players to play, and that's of course uh, natural because uh, as as we all have read from 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 the media, uh, people are not playing more than ever. Uh, of course, they're stuck to their homes, and therefore they need more content. So it has been uh, really really crucial for the developers to react to the situation. Hmm. Now it has been interesting because it's been, I think, kind of a range of different um, things. From the, I mean, there was this. Uh, one of the early things was was kind of kind of uh, public health information, wasn't it? That people were kind of putting almost like adverts in their games to kind of encourage kind of public health uh, yeah, yeah. behaviors. And and I think it was Zynga and, and linked up with a lot of people in the World Health Organization to kind of promote that. And that was a, a really kind of positive thing. And then there's the kind of I guess the more uh, kind of operational stuff that what can you do in a game. Um, and, 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 but I guess what's interesting is, you know, that there's been a, a kind of short-term response, um, and then there's kind of thinking about kind of what's the new normal and how that kind of uh, plays into it, which is, I guess, something we will discuss as, as time goes goes on. Um, uh, Ioana, what, what what have you seen from that uh, from that level? Um, so we look at uh, compared to Game Refinery, who you know just look at what's happening in the games. We look more at the overall industry um, and metrics. So uh, what we saw was obviously a massive increase in playtime. Uh, we discussed this. It was about sixty um, percent um, overall total time played, which was extremely impressive. We are already one of the largest um, networks for analytics for mobile games, so this growth in in traffic was just massive. Um, the other thing that was very interesting was that 
people seem to respond to the announcements more than anything. So as soon as some news would go out or that this country is going on lockdown, you would see impacts in other regions um, that maybe we're not going on lockdown. So you would really saw this ripple through the gaming economy um, with people adapting very quickly to news that they heard. Um, so it, it was a, a big impact in many metrics, um, most importantly, I think, playtime, but also we saw changes to ARP DAO and to retention. And now that some time has passed, these are clearer than ever because these have had time to settle and we can tell that they are a real trend and not just a short-term um, fluke, let's say. Mm-hmm. It seems like one of the interesting things is you have this kind of global uh, kind of, you know, you, you, you're, you're, there's so much data you're looking at all, all, all the time. And as you say, you can kind of see the, these ri- the ripple effects as, as obviously different kind of governments in different countries make decisions and then you you almost get kind of real time or you know you, you do get real time data but, but but obviously you know people react in that in a fairly quick kind of kind of response time so you see that initial reaction that the gamers have to to, to what they're being told by their governments Yes. So we saw uh, January, big change in Asia in general. Then February, when the uh, Italy lockdown was announced, the whole behavior of the whole of Europe started to change. And then it kind of, you know, solidified the change uh, in March when everybody did actually go on lockdown. Um, And then the U.S. started off a bit later, trailed a bit behind Europe. uh, But then we started to see changes there as well. So it really kind of spread from east to west. Um, this change that we saw and there was a massive impact and we're pretty sure that the information we see is accurate because, uh, you know, we passed 2 billion players that we tracked in the platform. So it's truly an ability to see change on a global scale. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess kind of coming coming back to I guess some assumptions about mobile gaming, I don't think it's true, but often, often um, we, we, mobile gaming has been kind of seen as this kind of kind of snacking behaviour. Um, I think it's true to some degree, but but it, do, do we do we think what we're seeing now um, has has kind of changed? Needs to change that view of mobile being a, a slightly kind of ephemeral something people do on the bus, obviously, or the train commuting. Obviously, people aren't commuting now, but but uh, but. Um, you know, we're seeing this massive increase in time spent in games. So do, do, we, th- do we think one of the interesting outcomes might be that, that, that as an industry, we have to kind of reconsider some of our uh, preconceptions about, about what our mobile games are used for? Um, I think what will be interesting to see is how many people stick with this change. Obviously, as the possibilities for entertainment reduced, people had more time to spend in games. Um, we did see that the, some of the games that were most positively affected were um, adventure games, so games that did have uh, con- do have content and are somewhat a bit more in-depth, kind of like Joel mentioned. Um, but there was a change across the board. Even very simple games were played more. Um, and I think this is a good opportunity for game developers to get these gamers uh, with them on a journey, on a longer-term journey with this new content they are creating. Mm. Joe, what do you you think about that from the kind of game design point of view? Do we, I mean, obviously it takes time to build games and new features and that sort of stuff, so so, um, maybe it's one more for the future. Do, Do you think there'll be an impact? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Of course, this is a big shock to any industry in the in the, in the global scale. Of course, and mobile games are not not, not an exception. Um, just like Joanna pointed out, a lot of change change coming, and and uh, I think now that players have more time in their hands, they are engaging more to the to the games. And I'm not now not talking only about the hardcore gamers who were 
playing a lot before this all happened. Uh, so this will definitely change the way way uh, developers need to kind of uh, see the audience and 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 uh, also um, I'm pretty sure that this uh, COVID nineteen has has introduced mobile gaming in general. Uh, to a broader audience. Uh, so uh, definitely uh, now that um, uh, there are more players, uh, they are grinding the content more, needs, there's also a kind of need for more content. And I think what, what is quite uh, interesting when we kind of, uh, we monitored many, of course, we monitor hundreds of games and, and, and then we, when everything started, we started to see this kind of announcement, like really light content, more like communication from developers to the players that, okay, please wash your hands on, stay safe and, 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 and uh, kind of stay, stay apart. Uh, but then when the first games started to introduce let's, uh, kind of uh, additional content uh, or free gifts or, or COVID-themed um, uh, decorative items, whatever, it kind of uh, caused an effect that, that then each other kind of a competitor game had to do the same. So we started to see that more and more games were kind of uh, bringing more and more content, not, not only kind of light, give some free boosters or something, but actually like uh, um, prolonging events or even coming up with more um, gameplay play events uh, in order to keep up with the con- competition and in order to compete for those added hour, uh, kind of additional hours with mobile gaming uh, mm. with, with the other games. Mm. Now, do you think... To some degree, it has uh, some of the impacts we've seen early on have kind of highlighted the, I, I guess, have been a bit of an advantage to the, the larger teams who, who potentially can, can uh, throw more resource at things. I mean, I guess the, the kind of prime example um, was what happened with all the location-based games. I think kind of Pokemon Go was the first one. Um, but obviously, Pokemon Go is, is kind of, not the gameplay isn't totally based around location. Um mm. But, but obviously, a large proportion of that has been people wandering around collecting Pokemons. I mean, you kind of have to, the point of it is you have to travel, and that's been the success of the game. And clearly, when people can't travel, um, that's a, a big problem <laughs> for, yeah, for the basic yeah. gameplay. And, and it seems, I don't know how much of um, of that kind of stuff was already in the works, but but um, Niatic, the developer behind Pokemon Go, seemed to move very, very quickly to, to, to bringing in new feature sets that allowed people to still collect Pokemons, you know, within their house or within their a much smaller kind of locality than they had previously uh, enabled. Yeah, yeah, ex- exactly, exactly. Uh, Nindic did it with Harry Potter and Pokemon Go, and then of course, uh, Ludia with Jurassic World Alive. Many of these, like you said, many of these uh, location-based games, they kind of <laughs> they are uh, all about being able to uh, go outside with your friends and, and catch Pokemons or, or, or dinosaurs or whatever. And now that, of course, in many countries this became impossible, um, what they did. Uh, almost all of the top, top titles did that they um, reduced the kind of uh, need to go outside. So you can sit, sit inside and, and the radius that you, for example, encounter new Pokemons or, or uh, gyms or, or any kind of nods is kind of, uh, um, re- kind of increased. So yeah, that kind of uh, basic mechanic, game mechanic-wise adjustment needed to be made. Mm. And, I guess, and I guess they, they probably they can't reverse that now. I mean, when we <laughs> assuming people, you know, in the, over the next you know whatever months or years, will be able to wander back around that. It's, it's quite you know in some ways, you know, they're kind of forced to have forced to have that design change, which may or may not be something they were going to plan. But equally, that's kind of potentially quite radically changed the kind of <clears throat> the arc of how they wanted to kind of run their game. Um, you want know. um, uh, in terms of kind of what you're seeing, you've mentioned a bit about kind of adventure games or maybe that kind of deeper content, uh, maybe having a bit more of an uplift. But it, from a, from a very outsider's point of view, it, it, I've not really got any kind of any clear kind of ideas about kind of what genres have have kind of been 
have, have attracted more of an audience. I mean, there, I guess there's been a few of the bigger games that we've kind of seen. I mean, I guess kind of in the in the US, Words with Friends, which is obviously a big kind of social kind of game where you're playing with your friends and family, seems to have done kind of quite well out of it. Um, I guess Roblox, things like Roblox and, and Minecraft, you can throw a lot of time into those and they're popular. Um, are there any other kind of, kind of games or, or genres that you think have done particularly well? I think one thing that's changed is that, um, so with Hypercasual, because we track many Hypercasual games, um, we consistently saw throughout the past two years the life cycle of the games getting shorter. And I think with some games um, and developers, it's worth putting more content into the game, as you mentioned, but other companies or other models are to just release more games. So what we see from these developers is they're just putting out more and more content in the form of new games. Um, traffic is cheaper now, so CPIs are lower, eCPMs are also lower, but it's a good time to test prototypes. And we see games sit at the number one, you know, it used to be that a game would be there for two months and then it became two, three weeks. And now we see games that are there for half a week. Um, so that cycle has really accelerated in terms of games that go out. Because of that, it's also quite hard to keep up with all of these games. Like every other day, there's almost a new game at number one um, in the um, free-to-play charts. Um, but this is the way that hyper-casual developers are adapting, I think, by just putting out more and more games. Mm. <laughs> that seems like, like a counterintuitive thing, doesn't it? I, I don't know. I suppose people have more time. So if you're really into hyper-casual games, you have more time. You can't, as you say, that. You can only play them for so long until you kind of get bored. So, um, but uh, yeah, it does seem in the long term. There's only, surely there's only so many hyper casual games that can be made. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe there's not. <laughs> uh, what I would say is we do see both retention day seven and day twenty eight dropping. So it does seem like people are playing. Um, you know, they uh, the time that they would have probably spent uh, before on a game, let's say over two to three weeks, is now condensed into one week, and then they just switch the game. Um, and it's possible that many mechanics that would have been multiple games before, uh, like you would have had a, you know, a painting mechanic with a puzzle mechanic, um, now just become two different games, uh, where the game is lighter, but it, it gets the job done. Um, and we also see these trends kind of like we had with wood turning, um, where there was, you know, like five wood turning games that all came up, all hit the number one, and then there's parkour games, and then there's disc games. So, you know, all of these, like each mechanic is exploited to the maximum in terms of making multiple variations when that mechanic is hot, essentially, in the charts. And then it disappears and another one takes its place. So it's a very rapid cycle. Mm. Do, do we, does anyone have an opinion on, on whether, um, obviously, uh, kind of COVID-19 has, has forced people to shut down their offices? So, so I think pretty much everyone in the games industry is, is working from home now. That seems to have happened kind of fairly seamlessly in the sense that obviously people you know need computers and, and internet but but that's that's kind of the core of what they need they need to be in an office do we have we seen any kind of impact on that in terms of um how quickly stuff can be turned around has anyone got any any anecdotal kind of views on that uh, well uh, we noticed that at least uh in, I don't know why, but in many Japanese games, uh, we noticed that there was a lot of communication to the players like, and the developers apologizing for content delays uh, because of, 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 of changed circumstances. Uh, so they were kind of really, really kind of uh, <laughs> like, a, like kind of, uh, uh, transparent about the fact. Um, mm. So that's, um, and I think the same, we, of course, in Game Refinery, we, we follow updates quite, quite um, rigorously. And, and what we noticed when, when uh, US started to 
detected the first first kind of cases in larger scale of COVID, um, the update cycles, in, in, at least in some cases, kind of a, were a bit prolonged. So, so there was a, clearly a need for kind of adjusting for the for the change situation. But other than that, I think it's. Uh, uh, at least now, now com- gaming companies have adapted and, and everything goes business as usual. Mm. Yeah, it does seem to be surprisingly non-impactful, really. I mean, there's been a few games kind of put back at like a month or so, which you kind of think in the big scheme of things um, mm. is, is not, you know, a, a large large time to wait. Um, and it even seems like on the hardware side, not obviously on mobile, but on consoles and stuff, that, that doesn't seem to be hit yet. Well, I guess we'll wait and see. Um, yeah, um, so... Something else I kind of w- w- was interested in, um, and I don't know, kind of, uh, you won, or I guess with um, uh, game analytics, you kind of got this data to see. Um, do you do you think there's been an opportunity for people to uh, look and find new games that they maybe wouldn't have had time to do in their busy schedules, um, or or is this a kind of a case where people are you know a little bit uncertain, people not sure what's going on, obviously kind of employment wise and just generally un- uncertainty, and and so they're kind of reengaging with games that they kind of know and, and are kind of comfortable with. I mean, I guess it's a bit of both, but do you think there's a strong, yeah. a strong, a strong kind of trend one way or the other with that? Um, I would say um, so because the, there is this trend of switching between games. Um, it's hard to tell if re-engagement is as big. However, we do see core games generally doing better in this period, particularly spend in core games has, has increased. So like simulation, sports, uh, strategy um, games. So I think overall, uh, whether people are new or whether they are just re-engaging with a game they love, they are willing to put more of their resources into the game, both their time mm. and their money. Um, and the other interesting thing is that uh, also um, casino games, so classic games, um, gambling, all of that is doing very well throughout this entire period. Um, it's it's increased significantly in the amount of money spent, possibly because people have no other means of entertainment. Um, but it's been it's been a significant increase. So, um, yeah, I would say th- that's probably a genre where where people come back and if they're committed, they're going to spend a lot more than they used to before. Whereas in um, core games, more uh, typical core games, it, it can also be new players that spend and that conversion cycle can be accelerated because now, again, instead of doing the story over a week, they can get like by day two, they can start spending. Mm-hmm. It is interesting now because... Good point on the on the gambling stuff because I guess there's no sports gambling would be a big part in, in general life of, of uh, kind of the, the, that kind of community and basically all sports are shut down apart from I don't know if anyone is now interested in in Belarusian football that seems to be yeah, the, only, point, the, the only football going <laughs> so 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 I guess people who are, who do, do like a gamble they they are a bit stuck so um, that is kind of an interesting point yeah they're um, coming they're spending their gambling money in games which is fair enough for the game developers yeah, yeah. and I guess. I've certainly heard some. I guess they're again apocryphal stories, but but kind of uh, Americans getting their is it one thousand two hundred dollars of stimulus check and doing kind of working out what they want to do with it. Uh, obviously, those people who are kind of fairly well off and, and basically have got free money from the government, which seems to <laughs> this seems to be spreading that around kind of uh, in, in in a slightly ridiculous form. Um, so uh, it was something I guess in the long term. Then, if we if we've seen spending going up, that that I. Did think was interesting, and, and I guess it's um, something we have discussed in the past, particularly uh, Joel. That, that you know, the 
a lot of the revenue from mobile games, particularly on the core side, comes from these these high spenders who are spending, you know, thousands, tens of thousands of dollars a month to, to be in these, you know, in, to be ranked at the very top, or their alliances to be ranked very highly. And I do wonder, kind of economically, what's our view that um, you know so these people are obviously very wealthy through. Um, probably not from even work, but from kind of just shared wealth. And, and obviously things like assets like stock market and stuff have, t- have taken a hit, you know. Um, so do we think that, that this kind of thing could have a, a kind of impact on these very on this very specific class of players who are very, you know, a very small number of players, you know, probably thousands, tens of thousands around the world, but they do have a, a very large impact on overall revenues in the free-to-play um, kind of model. So, yeah, that's 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 an interesting point, and 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 of course, it's a kind of a, it's interesting to see now we've seen mobile revenue, mobile game revenue going up, of course, and and the um, epidemic is is I don't know if it's contained or if if it's going to shoot up with the second wave or what, what, what's going to happen, but of course, if 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 you think about uh, not only mobile games but anything like uh, consumer spending habits, um, if 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 economy is going like like belly up, like like really going going to crash, mm. of course that's gonna that's gonna people are going to focus on the kind of everyday needs like food and and and, and they're gonna they're gonna be minimizing other other uh, kind of uh, money things uh, and and that could possibly also affect gaming and IAPs IAPs of course, uh, but then on the other hand. Um, if you think about the whales that you are referring to, um, that is also, of course, a possibility. If, if they see their <laughs> investments going going to the red uh, very hardly, of course, that could that could affect uh, affect the revenue. So it's interesting to see. I actually uh, was was kind of I'm looking forward, uh, let's say next autumn, for example, if the, how the situation evolves uh, globally, and if it's if it's kind of a if it. If it continues to go on and on, and let's let's see that the unemployment kind of rockets, and and uh, um, that might have a negative impact on a longer run. Even though that now the now the initial reaction has been a kind of a positive spike in, in mobile revenue, but that's that's something uh, I don't mm. have a kind of a clear view. But there, there are two sides of the story, I think. Um, I have some insight to add here. So we saw the growth in different genres happen at different times, um, which I think is a signal of the fact that the people spending are different. So in core games, we saw a slow and steady increase. So it started off around March and then continued increasing throughout April, and now it's fairly high. Whereas in uh, casino games and, and gambling, we saw a spike in February uh, and March, and then it started going down. So it's as if some people just spent their money yeah. uh, very quickly. And some people kind of adopted new games and then started spending and so on. So um, it, it may just be a sign of that the audiences are different and what happens for each individual studio may be dependent on the type of game that they have. We, however, have not seen a significant, you know, like statistical increase in um ARPU, so revenue per paying user, transactions are not generally higher. Most of the transactions are coming either from um, people spending, more people spending, or from people spending a little more, but not like tripling um, the the amounts, if that makes mm. sense. Yeah, no, that's, that's good. Mm. I mean, I, I do wonder um, whether whether this is an opportunity for, for, for game developers to maybe kind of switch a little bit they're designed from attracting these these very large spenders and and maybe kind of spreading out um, kind of payments to a, a wider audience, which I which I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a game designer, but I always kind of thought 
um, that would be a sensible thing to do to try and kind of shift the balance a, a little bit and have more people spending a little bit more than before. I guess the big issue is 95% of people don't spend anything. So converting some of those to spenders would be probably the main thing. Um, so, so, yeah, that would be kind of interesting to see. Um, and I guess it, we've always thought of ga- gaming in general has always been kind of thought of as a recession-proof sort of industry. Because um, I guess if people in, in the you know, 2008 or something, people weren't going out. The argument is people aren't going out to restaurants. They're they're buying ready meals at home and, and then they have actually more, potentially more money to spend because they're not doing these kind of high value things and i guess people now are not going on holiday big holidays anymore for at least next year or so so in a weird way they actually kind of have often more disposable they have less they could have less money but more disposable mm. income in, in a weird yeah. way because the kind of people's um kind of uh kind of yeah uh what's the word um kind of attitudes change and what they want to spend on um uh you want to you, you obviously you come to all this big peak in china have you got any more data about how um, obviously you know China has is is I guess two months ahead of, of potentially kind of where we are now, and obviously it was it was mainly focused in, in in one area. Have you kind of does that give us any kind of ideas or about what might be happening in the next few months in the rest of the world in terms of how behaviour has kind of had this big shock and then potentially gone back to some sort of normality, or maybe it's not. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's not gone back to anything like normality. No, that's exactly what we see. It's a case of no news is good news. So January, February, like January was, you know, quite a significant impact and February somewhat lower. And then things are kind of slowly getting back to normal um, or quickly getting back to normal. Actually, if you consider the size of the crisis, um, you know, things being more or less on track after two months um, is probably pretty good. So that's generally what we've seen. And China's no longer an interesting market from that point of view for us to follow because they're kind of just behaving as like, normal. Hmm. Um, And we are now, however, starting to look more closely at um, Europe and the US. The issue is that US didn't have quite, you know, we see the US as one place, but the reactions are very different on a state by state basis. And the population of the states is very different. So um, I think they are, they did not have such a unified reaction as Europe did in terms of now we're all, you know, going to stay at home um, because I feel that that was much more visible in the European reports where when the news of Italy happened, again, we saw the impact on the whole continent. Whereas in the US, it's a bit like, you know, up and down. Um, so it will be interesting to see with the news that comes out of there, what the reaction will continue to be. I think that market is still um, an unknown because the public messages that they're receiving are so mixed uh, and so partisan that it's hard to um, tell if there's going to be a clear direction that people go in or if they're more split um, in gaming as well. Mm-hmm. And I guess actually it's a good point because more generally um, on the on the kind of epidemiological side, we, we, we are told it's better, it's better to look at kind of um, urban areas. So don't compare um, Sweden to, to the UK compare kind of Stockholm to London and I guess New York so that, that's a, a wider point really um, but but I guess it to a degree if that's if that's how the um, kind of local kind of government is is, is locking down or, or unlocking um, then, then those kind of big urban kind of centers are potentially more will have a different dynamic to, to the larger to the kind of rural areas I suppose um, and I guess it's something you didn't mention a while back but I kind of think it's worth coming back to um, and it's something we don't talk about much in the mobile games industry which is kind of add ad revenues and, and how obviously a lot of certainly all the hyper casual games are all funded by ads um i, I guess for either of you here how do, how do we think that the the ad story is going to play out because that, that's quite a lot of 
for most studios will get you know a certain amount of revenue from 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 mobile ads um and that could be quite an important um kind of uh, kind of sense of revenue going on in the future if something happened to that and and i guess we we've lost a lot of advertising from travel companies and airlines and and also and all that sort of thing who essentially were doing big brand um, advertising and, and they're you know they're not there anymore I would say the um, we've seen mixed reactions. So actually, games that do have a strong foothold in Asia seems to, seem to have held up better because that market is going back to normal. Uh, mm-hmm. We have seen in our own group of companies, uh, you know, because Game Analytics is owned by Movista Group um, and they have such a strong presence in Asia. Um, we've seen that the group has generally been um, stable and that investing in Asia is is a really important play. So I would say any anybody that has seen their eCPMs go down right now from ads, if Asia is a really good market to look to, especially China, because they're a tier one um, country in terms of eCPMs. So you'll get the same eCPMs as you do in the U.S. with lower CPIs. It's quite a profitable market. Um However, in other aspects, we've seen people be very, very affected. Um, I've heard anecdotally of studios, especially with browser games, uh, that were very impacted by advertisers um, reducing their spend, um, you know, their revenues dropping by as much as 40% uh, and them trying again very quickly to put out new content, put out new titles, explore new markets. So um, I would say... Again, depending on the category you're in, you may be, may be more or less affected. Um, generally, across the board, there have been, you know, um, the change has varied between 10% to 30%, I would say, in eCPMs, and it's been comparable in CPIs. Um, but there have been companies where, where it's dropped significantly. And I do think that moving into Asia as fast as possible, if you are affected like that, is very important because they're recovering faster. There are good economies there. There's volume. Um, so it could be a way to get your cash flow back on track pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. It, it, it does seem like as well that, that some um, – some because, you, as you said, the, the – the, you. You can get um, you, can, you can attract eyeballs for uh, for less money at the moment. So some companies, maybe those that are a bit better funded, have, have had a slight advantage that they can um, kind of capture bigger audiences and potentially they, they would have planned to do um, because there is this kind of hole in in, in the advertising uh, economy at the moment. This is also quite a good lesson in you know assuming that things will always stay as they are. You know, like US will always be the tier one market, and then it will be Europe. And this has been quite a good kind of shock to the system in the sense that people are realizing that a global strategy is the only viable strategy now because you never know what's going to happen in either of this re- these regions. So you can de-risk your business, especially in gaming, um, by being present globally. Even if you pick out only you know a handful of economies that you focus on in each region, I, I still think that's a very worthwhile strategy. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're getting time to, to wrap up now. So, so I guess... Um... So, some thoughts about about the future, um, Joel. How, how how do you think this is going to play out over over the next few months? And um, do you think, as you said in your report, that this people is just going to developers are going to be kind of rolling out more events and, and and still kind of being very generous with their kind of rewards? At what point do you think developers, you know, start to make some 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 bigger long term changes, or is that still a bit early? Yeah, it's a, it's a it's like it's a hard to hard to kind of have, uh, predict the future due to far um i would say if, if, the, if let's say that if, if the situation continues as it is uh next fall and autumn as well and we get a second wave and uh we had to 
it's a kind of cliche, adjust to the new normal, as, as, as they say. Mm. Then, then, I, then I think that the, uh, already many of the developers have, have, have made the adjustment. They are, uh, as, 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 we, as we've been discussing, revenues are going up, there are more players, they're spending more time with the games, So and the industry is changing that way. So that is, that is what's going to pretty much happen. But then, then it's interesting to see if the situation eases um will the current boost for the revenue kind of sustain itself uh so basically uh if the lockdown has introduced gaming to new audiences or if the just kind of the mobile gaming has kind of benefited in that way in the longer term or if if they kind of everything gets back to normal let's say we get a vaccination and, and next january uh, january 2021 20, everything is kind of normal what happens to to to, to the mobile revenue. So th- that's that's what I'm kind of uh, most looking forward. And, and uh, as I said, it's really hard to make any any prediction because everything seems to be everything seems to be so so kind of uh, hazy at the moment. Mm. You wanna what, what do you think? Because I guess there's these these two kind of uh, kind of counter uh, contradictory kind of things that e- either a big change like this, not particularly COVID nineteen in itself, but in, in general, big shocks to um, kind of industries either accelerate existing trends or, or they create kind of new behaviors. Um, which, which way do you think it's going to play out? Well, I think um, in the industry, we are going to see, you know, we've seen this period of very rapid activity, almost frantic. And I think uh, people haven't been going on holidays even because there's been nowhere to go. So I think over the summer, as lockdowns start to ease, we're going to enter a period of calm. And let's say, you know, low productivity. People are going to start going on holidays. They're going to be burnt out. We're going to probably see less titles coming out. Um, that's what my expectation is, uh, let's say, from second half of June until August. Um, and then I think in the winter, um, based on, you know, the virus potentially returning, unfortunately, um, and people in weather just getting colder, I think we're, see- we're going to see another spike in traffic right before the holidays as people start to spend more time in the house. And I think we're going to see also a big uh, moment of very rapid releases, let's say around October, November. That usually happens, but I think the spike is going to be higher this year from like everybody coming out of hibernation a little bit um, and getting back to it. I also think that... um, unemployment levels and this kind of is risk to the economy will force more people into gaming as an industry that is less affected. So I'm expecting to see a lot of new games, a lot of new people in the industry. Um, and we're going to have to see how productive they manage to be very quickly, um, especially from these kind of middle economies. We've seen the gaming industry talent move eastward, for instance, like to Turkey, Eastern Europe, and now, uh, you know, to Pakistan. So I think this trend is going to continue with developers coming up from these economies and making globally successful games. Um so, yeah, I think those would be the trends over the next six to nine months. Great. Excellent. Well, thank you both very much for your insight and expertise in, in today's show. I think we've, we've packed a lot in there, um, a lot to consider. So um, thank you to uh, uh, Joel and uh, Joanna. And uh, th- thanks, listeners. Um, th- thanks for uh, coming uh, on, uh, listening to our podcast for for another month. Um, if this is your first time, thanks for uh, taking time out with us. Don't forget to subscribe. Um, every month we are looking into what's going on with with, with mobile games, and it's a um, 
even without the current situation, is a pretty fluid and dynamic place. So, um, so please come back uh, next month um, and see what we're talking about. But thank you very much, and see you next time. Thank you.